The views and opinions expressed by hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the views of the Global Liberty Alliance, its network, sponsors, donors, or broadcast platforms. The Global Liberty Alliance provides this podcast for informational purposes. Freedom of speech is a fundamental right and essential for free societies to prosper. Thank you for listening and supporting the mission of the Global Liberty Alliance, dedicated to strengthening and defending fundamental individual rights, free markets, and the rule of law. And welcome to another uh, Global Liberty Alliance podcast coming to you from across the river in Washington, D.C., in Old Town, Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, we have a very special guest today, Father Raul Zamora uh, from Nicaragua. Uh, we're going to be talking about current events, but also a little bit of context about religious liberty and about the struggles of the people of Nicaragua, which in many ways uh, are happening here. Uh, our listeners are very familiar with the religious liberty uh, battles of the Little Sisters of the Poor in the Supreme Court uh, the past few years, but also uh, some things that have happened here the last few weeks, such as the attacks on the Mission Church in San Gabriel, California, uh, out in Florida, Boston, New York. A lot of things have been happening that can be a little unsettling uh, to those of us Catholics, uh, but we, of course, understand that there are are, are, are much more important issues that we do not see. And, and hopefully we'll, uh, Father Samora will talk to us about that. So Father, how are you today? Thank you for joining us. Fine, fine, thank you. And uh, well, I'm very glad to share with you my experience and that we're living here in, in Nicaragua. Well, no, and, and thank you for joining us, Father. Are you, are you in Nick? So you're in Managua uh, this week? I'm in, in Managua. Nicaragua? Yeah, okay. we're in Managua right now. Yeah, there was there was some interesting news today uh, about uh, something that happened in the cathedral, right? So there was some, supposedly some uh, an attack on the cathedral this afternoon. Yes, about midday, uh, we we had a, a an individual whom we we don't know yet who it was uh, entered the cathedral, and uh, he threw a bomb um, uh, inside the a, a chapel, a little chapel that's in cathedral where uh, we have an image. Uh, that is very um, uh, revered by the Nicaraguan people. It's a almost 400-year-old image of the of Christ. Of we call it the blood of Christ. Wow. And so it was practically destroyed today, burned, and um, and, and this figure. We it, it was it's something that has hit hard in the in the heart of the people because uh, uh, most of the Nicaraguan people uh, are people of faith. You know. Hmm. Yeah, the people, uh, for our listeners, those people who may not be familiar with Nicaragua and its strong Catholic roots, its strong Christian roots, yeah. um, uh, we're going to get into that a little bit. But tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you, uh, you were born in Nicaragua, right? Is and, and Yeah. yeah. I was born in Nicaragua and um, I lived the war here in the 80s. Uh, it was very difficult times. Mm. And uh, like many families, we had to leave the country and I uh, went to the with my whole family during that time as refugees you know practically um, uh, running from from the disaster of war and uh, the United States the American people you know they welcomed us and and we and and I lived over there 
with my whole family for about 15 years in California. Wow. So, okay. so I studied over there high school. And, and then all of a sudden I started uh, feeling a, a call to serve God in the vocation. And um, I found out about the seminary in Nicaragua. And I felt to, that I had to serve, you know, God in, 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 in my country. And, and uh, also, especially so many poor people here and suffering people. So I felt the call to, to serve. And That's amazing. So, what, what, yeah. what part? What part of California were you were you living in again? And I was living in uh, Huntington Park in, oh. in Los Angeles, close to Los oh. Angeles. All right. Yeah. yeah. You know it well. That's great. Yeah. Well, it's it's a beautiful country, Nicaragua. I mean, and and I think a lot of um, a lot of our listeners may know, especially on the West Coast, uh, who are more in tune with the West Coast. But yeah. it's it's a beautiful country. It's a beautiful people. I went through a very difficult time. So you you were there during the um, during the Cold War, I guess. Yeah, I was there during the Cold War, and I lived a war experience. I, I remember it from uh, I was around uh, ten year old, or a child, or eleven, and I remember. Um, just um, hiding underneath the bed, you know, and, uh, all night long because there were uh, machine guns firing outside of my house. And, wow. And it was uh, an experience that just stayed with us and my whole family. Uh, my brother and sister practically uh, don't remember much about it because I guess, uh, you know, and under that experience, you, you kind of, uh, your subconscious kind of closes up, you know, to that, to remembering. So, but I remember clearly all that we passed, you know. And when I returned to Nicaragua, um, it was right after um, elections had undergone, free elections, and and uh, there were democratic governments. But then um, um, this it seems that history is repeating itself all over again. Yeah, <laughs> right, like in the eighties. Yes, it's funny. It's ironic, you know, during the Cold War, I grew up in, I grew up in South Florida, and when I became more engaged in, I guess in, in learning more about the region and being involved with uh, the, I guess politics, but more the issue of Nicaragua was the very first issue that I was exposed to, and I met um, a lot of colleagues that, and I was young. I was a young kid back then. I was maybe in my teens, and. Yeah. Uh, seeing the ex-Contra fighters uh, that would come here for medical care because the battle was just, it couldn't be taken care of over there. And there were doctors in the United States who would go and help uh, the, the Contras. And, and it was, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was a cold war, but it was very hot in Nicaragua and it was a lot of pain and suffering on all sides. And it, it extended out here. And, you know, there's a large Nicaraguan American community, in South Florida and California and Texas, there's a lot of Nicaraguans. And, um, you know, what's, you know, it's, it's funny you say it's repeating again, because uh, I've been hearing that from a lot of friends in Nicaragua. Uh, You know, how do you think that, that and and we'll get into the role of the church in a minute in all of this, because it's extremely important because in fact, let's talk about that for a second Uh, to our listeners that don't know about Nicaragua. uh, Tell them a little bit about, uh, how important Christ is and God is to the Nicaraguan people, because it's, as you said, it's a very poor country. And unfortunately, it's one of the poorest in Central America, uh, but it's very rich in culture. And the faith seems to uh, unite all the people throughout the country. Yeah, it's, it's actually, um, uh, the faith has, 
has in some way um, um, become a part of the culture also. You know, it's, it's, it's a, a wonderful country with uh, people who are, like you say, very humble. Um, and they also have uh, great strength, interior strength. And even though we, we've lived difficult times, very difficult times, you could see people with a lot of hope and, and faith. And, and basically, um, our, our churches are, are, are much filled with people and weekends and and now, now that we're in there under um, this uh, virus, mm. <laughs> COVID, you know, we, we're transmitting through uh, other media. But um, usually our churches are, are filled with people who are searching for God because of, uh, of the suffering that they've passed through, you know. And, and, um, and many of us, we, uh, here in, in, in the church that I'm in charge of, uh, uh, the Divine Mercy Church, which I, I think uh, I'll, some of you have heard in the the news uh, uh, about two years ago. Um, well, here in this church, we have a lot of people that that come because of the uh, name itself. You know, the church is Divine Mercy, so a lot of people searching for that in their life. So, yeah, our church uh, is is basically always being close to the people. You know. Um, it's a church that uh, is is willing to to die with the people, you know, to 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 walk with the people, and and um, I think that that these difficult times have made us even closer to the people. And um, during that time, the uh, 2018 events, uh, violent events that we had here, um, people would actually uh, find uh, refuge in the churches, you know. Because um, they would see us as um, the only alternative that they had to save their lives. Um, so in that sense, um, our churches, you could describe it as a church that is walking with the people in its suffering. It's close to the people. It's, it's a church that experiences suffering itself, you know, and, and tries to uh, give uh, witness to Christ. Amen. And uh, th I'm glad you mentioned 2018, because I think that's a, a good uh, spot to explain. I guess it's a culmination, I guess, where you had a, I look at it from here, and please correct me if I'm wrong about this, but a multi-generational, like so many things converge in one place. And even though what sparked the violence and uh, I know what happened at the Church of Divine Mercy. You've talked about it many times. I think two students ultimately died. I think one inside the church and one on the way trying to get sanctuary. But for our listeners who may not be familiar with it, uh, uh, the Nicaraguan people were uh, struggling for many years with many different issues. And in addition to the economic sufferings, uh, there were also um, uh, real you know, religious, not just religious liberty issues, but political liberties as well, the people wanting to get more involved in, I guess, in the political space, uh, concerns yeah. from civil society about corruption. And it kind of percolated to the point where in 2018, uh, what do you think was that spark that just drove all these young people to say, look, enough? And interestingly, I met some of the kids here, uh, well, college students here after that, and I was frankly amazed that some of these were former uh, Sandinistas or children yeah, yeah, of yeah. Sandinista leaders who were like, 
we're tired of it. We just want nothing to do with that. And we want something different. What culminated to that point that, uh, because you, you've, you've said this before, the, the conflict in 2018, and we'll provide links to our listeners so they can read up on it. It was coming to an end. There was a solution. The students were on the way out. There was a peaceful settlement. The church helped broker this. Yeah. Uh, what happened and what, what do you think drove it to that point? Well, um, you could see the 2018 uh, Biden explosion. It was just uh, the culmination, I think, of something that was brewing way, way back, you know, in, in, in 2014, I guess. It was around that time, uh, way before. The uh, bishops, um, you know, they wanted to, uh, they, they wrote a document um, that they gave to the president. And in that document, they expressed all the concerns that they had, you know, in, in, in the sense that the, that the government, uh, from the beginning, uh, it was a government that didn't listen to the people. Mm. So it just did whatever it wanted. And, and if, if there was some type of protest or something like that, it, it tried to suffocate that protest. They tried to silence the people. And uh, they worked together with uh, businessmen and women and uh, try to build a model of government which is uh, based upon uh, a, a so-called the socialism of the 21st, 21st century. It's the same one that we see in Venezuela, right? And, and yeah. uh, it's the same concept. But the only difference is that uh, difference with, with Venezuela, that, that, that over there, uh, there's not that alliance with, uh, with the business realm or business uh, people. Uh, we could see here that 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 worked for many years here. Um, the business people they just kept on doing business, and the government would let them. And just that they they had they they just the only thing that they didn't have to they, they, to get in, in 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 the government's business. You know, they they just they they couldn't criticize. They couldn't say anything. You know, if the government repressed. Then they had to stay quiet. You know, they, they couldn't say anything. And um, the government kept on repressing and kept on, um, and kept on uh, being uh, deaf to the people's needs and, and, and the, all the sectors of the society that wanted to be listened to. So once the, um, it, there were some times that the church was wor really worried about it and we gave the document to the president I remember the bishops he got together with them and they expressed to him that if he didn't take any if he didn't begin to really listen to the people and try to solve their problems in that moment that, that if he if he kept on repressing the people and that there was going to be a moment of a of, of possibly of a violent explosion and that's mm -hmm. what happened you know that's what happened exactly what happened yes. and it, it's it's something that, 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 well, he was warned about, you know, by the bishops, by the church. And uh, I think he was the only sector in society that, that pointed that out to him. But, um, but the thing is that, that um, meanwhile, he didn't, he, he kept on going in the same way, the same direction. And uh, the, the country was um, under um, some apparent economic growth, but there were not there was not a human growth. There was not a growth in dignity. There was not a growth in human rights. Uh, on the contrary, there was the human rights were being trampled upon. You know, 
No, Father, that reminds me of um, that reminds me of Pope Francis uh, talks about in Laudato Si. Uh, yeah, business. You know, there's a, there's a there's a role for business, but it shouldn't be success at any cost, especially yeah, if exactly if you're going to trample on the fundamental rights and of truth. your of, of your people. And yeah. it's interesting, you know, in the Catholic tradition, and you know this uh, because you live this. Yeah. Uh, businesses uh, and business people uh, have gifts. You know, that's a gift that's been yeah. given to you by God. And yeah. you're supposed to use your business skills to make the world a better place. Yeah. And the interesting thing, and this is longstanding Catholic doctrine. This is not something new. Yeah. It's, it's not a fad. It's not something that, it, this goes back. It was Pope John Paul II, St. Saint, Saint Paul II, you know, spoke yeah. a lot about this. And I hear a lot, about Nicaragua and this this very issue you talked about. And yeah. it, it looks like, and you said it correctly, socialism of the 21st century. And frankly, we're struggling with it right here in the United yeah. States. Yeah. Um, do you think, and, and we're gonna jump back to the students in a second, but you touched on a subject that I feel very strongly about because I believe private sector can be and is a force of good, but mm -hmm. you can't stand there and uh, facilitate uh, in my opinion, this is not yours. And I, again, uh, mm -hmm. I, I promised I would avoid politics, but I'm going to make one political statement. Yeah. I, I, I don't think a business or a company or, or a man or woman in the private sector should stand idly by when a government is trampling on the fundamental rights of its people. And forget about the violence in 2018. The things that appear to me led to that point should have been very obvious that they should not have been facilitating that, that eventually this would be like a pressure cooker. And unfortunately, a country that was so young as far as uh, the, the civil conflict and the peace agreement, it seems to have been ignored and they just did pursue success at any cost and the people ultimately suffered because of it. Yeah, the, the, the thing is that also those who preach uh, socialism, you know, those who, for example, the, the family, the presidential family, you know, they started to become rich themselves. Oh, right. mm -hmm. And they have, uh, they, they've started to, to uh, practically uh, uh, through injustice and through various uh, uh, means, unjust means, they began to take away businesses from other people and uh, making a big, um, uh, you could say, a family business out of the country. Uh, wow. So the country became a, a family business. Uh, the only, uh, you could see that they have a lot of sons and daughters and the presidential couple and, um, and uh, all of them have some type of business. You know, they, they probably uh, uh, got unjustly and and uh, through also the, the, the money of the, of, the, of the international aid or the people, uh, you know, they, they, they practically uh, use that money to, for their own benefit. And uh, what, what we saw happening uh, slowly is that the president began to, um, just like it happens in the socialism of the 21st century, is that the president began to... Uh, tear down all the institutions of government. Uh, all the democratic institutions began to be torn down. The, the army, the police, um, the um, assembly, the national assembly became uh, just uh, something that was uh, obeying just the president, you know, what he would say, just do what he would say. 
and um, the judges also, the electoral um, council, everything. You know, you could see everything right now. Everything is under one man's power, you know, one man's power. So you could say that this is a one man's country. Uh, and, just, and, and, and one fa family country. One family, it's like the Ortega Murillo, they call it here in Washington. They say it's the Ortega Murillo regime. Yeah, um, they, that's their church. It's, that's, that's pretty, that's amazing. We're going to be, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, mm -hmm. When we come back, we're going to pick up with that. We're going to focus a little bit about, uh, a little bit more about the students and a conversation I had with one of them, who All is right. the son of a former Sandinista, a current Sandinista. Uh, mm -hmm. And then we'll ask Father a little bit more about uh, a report that was published by the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom that I think uh, uh, he's talked about and I'd like our listeners to hear. So we'll be right back. And we're back with uh, uh, Father in Nicaragua. Uh, thank you so much for spending time with us. Uh, we're talking today with Father uh, Zamora, who's out in Managua, in Nicaragua. Before the break, we were talking a little bit about the one-person uh, state, uh, the, 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 the socialism of the 21st century. I love the way you put it. Uh, yeah. I now know why Father uh, Vice President Pence called you in 2018 when you visited uh, the, uh, uh, our first uh, ministerial on international religious freedom, a hero of the faith, because you, uh, you, you, you speak truth. Uh, that socialism is incompatible with 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 Christianity, and uh, what's happening there in Nicaragua is uh, extremely serious. In fact, I want to read something from the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom report that just came out a few weeks ago about Nicaragua in particular. And, and I'll, I'll share this with our our listeners. I'll put a link to the report so they can read the whole report, and I encourage them to do it. But in this particular report, they recommended. Uh, things are so bad in Nicaragua as far as religious liberty is concerned that they recommended the imposition, and I'm reading from the report, of targeted sanctions on Nicaraguan government agencies and officials responsible for severe, severe violations of religious freedom. The Ortega regime targeted Catholic priests with arbitrary arrests, the death threats on social media, violent attacks, and defamatory accusation while the police stood by as paramilitary and supporters of the regime besieged, desecrated, assaulted, and threatened churches in many cities uh, throughout the country. In fact, the persecution was so intense against the, the, the people, uh, the men, uh, our, our clergy there, our, our, our priests, that I, uh, I believe uh, Monsignor Baez was, was um, was withdrawn. He was. He's. He had to leave the country by instruction of the. Of, I think the Holy Father, I believe, because uh, the death threats were so intense. Give our listeners a flavor of why this government is resorting again. It's not even a government. I call it a regime. You don't have to call it that. I call it that. Uh, why this regime is resorting to what they were doing during the conflict before the peace agreement? Why are they? They're going back to this. And why are they especially coming after people of faith? Yeah, well, as I was saying uh, before, um, when all this exploded you know, in 2018, uh, the young people, it all began because um, during the protests, um, the police actually started beating on 
elder people and other people that were there protesting and they um they were hitting them hitting them uh, and and making them um actually uh, people who were you know their like grandparents or you know, they were they were protesting and, and and the police were were being violent against them and so here in Nicaraguan society the young people are very close to to their grandfathers to you know, the, yeah. or here is a type of society that is uh, more a, into the look that is uh, the family or family oriented family or family oriented society so um, when they saw the the grandparents or, or the old, the elder being beaten that way, you know the the young people rose and and, and they started, and also because they, they they saw all the injustice and that was building up from before, that I think that was a a problem with the social security, you know, uh, which as I said, this is uh, the whole country is under the power of of a family, so you could figure out that the social security, you know, it was. There were there was uh, possibly um, a crisis because uh, of of it was not being managed the right way. Maybe uh, the money was being taken out of it, you know, in an unjustly way. And so, and, and, and Father, if I can interrupt one second for our listeners and correct me if I'm wrong in this comparison, but what kind of seemed to me as a as an American looking out at what happened there, these young people that you're talking about. In fact, Nicaragua has a large youth uh, population. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's very large. It's, and, and that gives us a lot of hope, by the way. But yeah. what happened, I think, was that it's like, imagine if your elderly had saved all this money in their Social yeah. Security, and then the government said, well, guess what? We're going to cut the payment, and yeah. we're going to not give you certain payments. So it almost as if they were gaming uh, with the Social Security of their parents and grandparents, and then yes. the, the the young people got upset. Is that would that be correct? Yeah, that's right. The, the elderly, you know, they they began to reclaim their rights, and they they began to protest. Wow. And and the government just they just sent the police, and they started beating them, you know. And, and it appeared in national TV, uh, the elderly being beaten, and and and, and all the, the young people, they they uh, suddenly they all rose and def to defend the elderly. And also there was other issues at hand because, um, for example, the universities around, you know, they, they're controlled by the government. So the, the students didn't want that. They wanted, you know, to, they wanted a democratic country and they wanted something different. So they started to protest also. And, um, and so um, from there on, you, you could see all the, uh, uh, the protests began to to um, become very violent and bloody because uh, uh, the government also uh, it it uh, it it brought uh, mercenaries, practically mm. mercenaries. I don't know from where, you know, but um, some of them probably from out of the country, uh, mm. from other countries, and they began to uh, shoot the shoot the the young people. In they were they took refuge in the cathedral. And during that time, um, the, the young people were being killed, you know, by um, uh, snipers, and, and they they were being killed and uh, and shot at at the uh, the head, the the chest, or wow. the throat. Wow. So there were very specific areas that they were being shot at. So we saw that there were professionals, you know, working here, and um, there were 
there were um, people who were trained to do this. Um, uh, and so uh, there was a moment that it went out of control. You know, the people began to come out in the streets uh, supporting the young people now because the young people were being killed. And, and so, like you say, the majority here are young people. So the, the families and everyone began to come out in, into the streets to protest. And they, they were peaceful protests. You know, they were not violent protests. The people were going out and, and doing these great marches. They were uh, humongous mar marches that we never seen uh, before. And uh, the movement began to be named the blue and white movement because of the flag, you know, the That's country. Right. So there was a, a lot of people out on the streets. And there was a moment that the, before the government, um, the, the, the government used to say that the streets were theirs, you know, they had control of the streets. Of the streets. But all of, a, all of a sudden, all the people of Nicaragua, practically a lot of people, uh, thousands of people were out in the streets, you know, reclaiming their rights. And, um, and so, um, they began to fire against them too. There was a, there was a, a very sad moment. I remember uh, the 30th of May, the 30th of May is Mother's Day here. Right. It's Mother's right. Day. So that day there was a big march. And, um, and when, the, when the march was already coming to an end, they, they, some snipers were waiting for all the people and they started firing against the people, I remember, uh, in Mother's Day. You know, they started killing uh, people and, and their sons and daughters and, and young people, children. So it's horrible, really horrible. It's, hor it's horrible. And, and, you know, in a country with, a, with, with such a small population, Father oh, Samora, yeah. I guess it's... What it's about, I, mm -hmm. how, how many people died? About four to 500 people were killed? Oh yeah, who knows exactly the the we, we have an approximate of that, but nobody knows for certainly because the government would also uh, hide the, the 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 real numbers. Yeah, so yeah. We so don't... It, it's hard, you know. Let me tell you, this is an uncomfortable subject, but we have human rights groups that we were working with and independent lawyers in Nicaragua who would uh, they tell me that many of the missing are still missing a lot of oh, yeah. thousands were injured hundreds but potentially thousands may have died yeah. uh there's some really horrible horrible stories about things that happened in the countryside i believe frankly oh. that you can make a legal case that there have been politicized or genocidal killings yeah yeah uh, of people. yeah there's been genocidal killing and there's 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 being uh they're still going on in the in the countryside Wow. Uh, there's still systematic killing of, of people who are opposed to the government, and 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 maybe it's not it's not um, the the news are not um, uh, you can't hear them in the news because they're they're in charge of the news. And all the news, uh, the majority of the news uh, are in their hands. You know that the uh, the media is being controlled by them, so it's kind of hard to know exactly the the numbers. But I remember that that it, it got out of hand really it became so big so massive the 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 uh, marches and and the protests that the government thought in a moment that it was going down you know the government thought it was going down so the president the president himself asked the church to help him with the dialogue you know so it was a moment that the president was already um 
feeling that, that, that things had gotten out of hand for him. And, um, and the church, he asked the church that if they could, he could if, if they could form a, a dialogue so that there wouldn't be any more violence. So um, the church is also has, has the mission to, to, to try to put the parts together and try to help them to dialogue, you know, and to, and to, and to find a peace agreement. It, because we didn't want either the, the society to go into an, another war like in the 80s. So we had to prevent that, you know, somehow. And uh, when we heard the president that, that he wanted to meet with the, the uh, people who were, being, who were protesting, uh, so they asked the church and the bishops. And the bishops, they said, we know that, that we might be getting into something that's going to affect us later on. We don't know how this is going to go, but we're going to do it because we love Nicaragua and we love our people and we want them to be at peace. You know, we want them to find a, a way of peace out of this. You know, it, it's, you remind me of, um, I didn't think I was going to be brushing up on my, 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 my readings of, of, of some of the old papal encyclicals, but it reminds me of what Pope Benedict the Sixteenth wrote about when he said that the church is one of those living forces that in, in a nation, you know, the state regulates and controls everything, but a, but a state that in accordance with a principle of subsidiarity yeah. acknowledges and supports initiatives arising from different social forces, uh, you combine them and you work together. And the church in Nicaragua has a very important role to be one of those living forces. And that's what you all did. You all moved in there and yeah. the people ask for your help because I think it's important for folks uh, listening to Father Samora understand that he, the church offered to help. They were trying to give sanctuary to these people, uh, to yeah. these young people, because they had nowhere else to go. And, yeah. and, 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 and this is a remarkable story about the, 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 the power of liberty and the resilience of the Nicaraguan people and that they turned to the church. They didn't turn to the state for protection. They turned to their family. They were defending their loved ones. They just wanted space. And one of the things, Father Samora, that I'm struck about, many things you've said about in many interviews you've done since this incident, you said that one of the most important things that we have to focus on is not falling into this pattern of indifference yeah. and that the, the church and the society, civil society, has an important role to play. What do you mean by that when you say that indifference? Because it's not, it's not just political. You're talking about uh, faith, life, everything. Yeah, it's, it's when um, indifference comes into, into, uh, in society that we allow injustices to occur. You know, when we're indifferent to them, we let them pass. You know? and, and that's something that um, later on might uh, turn into... Uh, into something as as tragic as as we live, you know, and um, uh, that's what we tried to do in the dialogue. When, when the dialogue um, opened up, you know, in, in various sectors of society that they never been heard, they started to come to the dialogue, and we we sensed the positive thing that was going on, you know, and and the 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 thing is that the church had to get involved because you got to remember that that the government uh, throughout the years, they started tearing down all institutions, all democratic institutions. So they, the people didn't have anyone else but the church, you know, to help them with this situation. And then um, when the dialogue began, um, you could hear the students 
expressing their personally to the president, expressing to the, to him that he should stop stop the violence right now. And meanwhile, meanwhile, the dialogue was taking place. The government was repressing, and the government was killing other people. Meanwhile, the dialogue was taking place. So the dialogue took place in a violent um, atmosphere around us. And um, what we could see is that when the bishops, they told the president that he should uh, go through a process of, um, of democratic, uh, democ uh, making uh, the institutions more democratic, you know, they, that he should begin a process of uh, free elections, that he should begin a process of, uh, of renewing the, the institutions of government, that he should um, uh, he should begin to 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 begin uh, to walk in the way of uh, restoring uh, the democratic institutions uh, back to how they were before. Then the president um, he he started saying that the bishops were trying to uh, to were trying to uh, take them out of power. That the wow. bishops that the bishops were actually coup leaders. <laughs> and and so he began to say, you know, well, this, it's it's not funny. It's not. I'm not laughing at that. I just think that in this darn age, that uh, Ortega would be saying something like that with a straight face is what I think is laughable. Um, yeah, I mean, it's something that that is. If you think about it, how could the church be the 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 brain behind a, a, a governmental coup? I mean, how could that happen? Well, it's, it's an interesting, um, that's, I, if you can get into the mind of a socialist, I had more power to you. I, I stay away. I don't want that to get in my head. But uh, Father Zamora, can I impose on you for one more time? We take a break and come back and wrap this up with just a few more things. You have a few more minutes? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Father. We'll take yeah. a quick break. And, and we're back. And um, before we uh, took our break, we were talking about getting in the mind of a socialist, which is something I've tried to do, Father Samora. I tried yeah. to understand my, my worthy opponents. But sometimes, uh, like what you were saying about uh, Ortega and Murillo blaming uh, the church for their problems. I mean, yeah. they, they're the ones who sowed this uh, 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 sea of discontent. And, you know, one of the interesting things uh, during that period, I met with many students that uh, were involved in the protests, including one fellow um, who came to Washington back then. I think his name was Victor Cuadras. He was one of the one of the yeah. several of the student leaders. He was one of them that I met with. One thing I was struck about these young people was that a lot of these men and women, these students, came from households that were they were raised as socialists uh, or or taught about the socialist ways. But if you listen to them. Politically, a lot of them don't sound like socialists at all. They sound like libertarians, uh, or, or they just want their country back and they want to be able to have a democracy where there's no corruption. Um, in a way, it kind of gives me some hope. But also, you outline some problems that there's still some very violent things happening there. What you know? What let's let's unpack that first. Begin with the students. Why do you think these young kids who grew up after the revolution? Uh, or were raised by parents of, of who were involved in, on the Sandinista side. Why do they think this way? Uh, why are there so many of them saying enough? Well, you know, um, 
a lot of people would, would say of young people, you know, they would say, oh, they don't care about society. They don't care about anything. They just live in, a, in their own uh, world in, 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 in the internet. And, you know, they would think of that, that way of people, of young people there. But I would say that young people nowadays are more, um, they're more, uh, you could say, sensitive or more sensible to, to what's happening in the world. And they're more aware of, 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 what, they, of they, what they really uh, want society to be like, you know, and, and that's what happened to young people here. I mean, over here in the, when the attack was in my parish in uh, 2018, the, the, my parish was attacked by paramilitary forces and, and we were under siege here for almost uh, 14 hours under fire. Wow. You know, in, in my parish, uh, and there were a lot of students here because uh, refuge here because uh, we have the University of uh, of Manawa just uh, like around two blocks from here, and I attend that university uh, pastorally. You know, I used to know a, a, a lot of the young people that were here also in the church taking refuge, and uh, because they wanted to, um, the the students were in the university because they 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 uh, were 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 they had they were in the university they didn't want to get out of the university because they were they were also uh in some type of protest you know they wanted the uh, a more democratic way the, inside the university but when they came to the to here they were they were um almost killed in the university by paramilitaries and they came here into the church i could see here that the young people were very um from different different backgrounds i mean there were young people here whose parents have always been Sandinista, uh, people who, uh, young people here whose parents um, ha have from the 80s have been Sandinistas. I went to a funeral uh, close by to one of my communities that I attend to, rural communities in my parish, and I was really sad to see a young man, you know, um, killed by paramilitaries, and the family, the whole family was Sandinista, you know, and, and you know, their own people, they were killing their own people and their own party, you know, it's, it's something that I couldn't understand. But the young people, um, actually, um, they were very aware that they wanted uh, a, a democratic government and they, ha they had these democratic ideals. Um, they want to see something different um, uh, in, in the institutions, you know, they, they want to see new faces also in politicians because we have uh, the politicians that we've had in the past, you know, they, they've also um, have been people who have not loved their country and, and they've, they've been um, uh, selfish and, and, and try to um, make themselves rich. And the young people nowadays, is some, it's a different way of thinking. You know, and that's why I, yeah. I'm pretty positive about it. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. It is. Gives, it gave me a lot of hope to listen to these young folks back then. And yeah. and frankly, they're uh, these these people were not selfish, hanging out behind computers or these. They were thinking about big ideas and yeah. trying to retake. In fact, a lot of them would say, "We just want to retake our country. We want a democracy, and yeah. we want uh, government." to uh, get out of our way and let our people uh, live their lives without interference. You know, some interesting things you were saying there about yeah. the, um, the, the, the cross-generational differences and uh, the things I heard from them while they were here 
was also that, and something you've said is they don't want to become another Cuba. Uh, they they yeah. don't want to become another Venezuela. And well, I thought for, I thought, uh, let me tell you something, Father. I thought Nicaragua was on the cusp of doing what the Venezuelans wish they could have done these past few years or what Cubans wish they could do. Uh, I thought they were very close. I, I, and I still believe that the potential for change in Nicaragua uh, is much, uh, I'm much more optimistic about that and the future of your country than I am for Venezuela or even Cuba, because if we could just get rid of the Russians and the Cubans and kick them out of your country, and same thing with the Chinese, I think that would be a big part of a big help. Because I do, I, I agree with you. I think there are some foreign influences there who are causing some trouble and are supporting um, Ortega and, and Murillo and some of these injustices, which, by the way, Father uh, Samora, I, I guarantee you that uh, a lot of people over here will keep following this and they're going to uh, make sure that uh, they know uh, what's happening in Nicaragua and how people are, are dying for their beliefs and are frankly being persecuted for their faith. You have said, and in many of the pastoral letters that the, the, some of your uh, bishops have written, um, uh, that, in fact, I think there's no doubt. You would agree that there's no rule of law in Nicaragua, right? I think there's, there's a problem no. there with, with, with Estado Derecho, as we say. And there's, a, there's a one man, one man or one family rule. One family rule. It's, yeah. it's almost like a, here in the U.S., we would view that as a cartel. In fact, one of the laws that were passed uh, with the support of the U.S. Congress and, and many in the diaspora. It's called the NICA Act. It's a sanctions law, which I'm sure you've heard of. And um, what do you think, I mean, I, as we start to wrap up our conversation, I just uh, I would like to give you an opportunity to share with uh, folks in Nicaragua, but also here, you know, what's your message to them? I mean, you've said a lot of things here today. And also, what can the American people do? You know, what can the U.S. do, if anything, uh, to be supportive, to give, uh, in addition to giving you a voice, is there anything you want the American people to do? Because as you know, Father, uh, we're in the same hemisphere. What happens in Nicaragua does impact us here. So if we have a stable Nicaragua, if we have a Nicaragua that it respects the rule of law, that, uh, that the people can live freely, that property rights are respected, religious liberty is respected, those are national security issues. Religious liberty is a national security issue. Uh, fortunately, we have a, a government now that believes that. So if something bad happens there, and you, uh, Nicaragua is in a strategic part of the world, uh, we need Nicaragua stable, democratic, free, uh, and prosperous. But what message do you have? So it's a two-part question. One, what's your message for your, the Nicaraguan people that you think the exiles here should listen to the diaspora? And what can the U.S. do to help? Yeah, as a man of faith, I could tell my... Uh, the Nicaraguan people that um, the, the church, you know, will always be on the side of the one who are suffering. You know, we will always be on your side. We will not abandon you. We'll be with you always. And uh, we know that, that um, if this is something that, that goes through, um, goes through our faith also in Christ and, and we know that we have to um, build that kingdom of heaven that is, is, should be around us, you know, as, a, as, a, as visible justice and visible um, also um, uh, respect to human rights. 
and uh, the the human person as or the 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 person as to be the center of society and not money or power. You know, to be the center of society, human beings, and uh, and, and not other things. And that's what the church is 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 also in a spiritual um, uh, way helping the people. You know that we we want you to know that that the church is with you, and uh, and you are the church also. So the the people who are um, who believe in 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 Christ, then uh, we know that uh, we're gonna make it together, and that a change has happened in the in the way that we think, in the way that we believe, since. Um, uh, Two years ago, uh, things have changed drastically. The way that we see society, the way that we see human beings, the way that we see uh, suffering has helped us to see um, the, in a new light the, digni the dignity of the, of the person. And so we know that a new way of thinking, a new society is going to come out of this. This is a painful uh, birth uh, it's, that's taking place, you know, but it, what, what's going to happen is that it's going to, at the end, it's going to be something wonderful. And we know that. We had to hope. And Father, let, let me ask you, before we jump to the second question, let me ask you something. And this is important for our listeners to know this. Um, uh, Nicaragua uh, protects, the legal system protects life from conception until natural death. So it's, yeah. it's a strong pro-life country. Yeah. Uh, just like our colleagues in Guatemala and some other Latin American nations. Uh, and that's, uh, really a, a core building block uh, of, of building a just society. It's part of our Catholic teachings, you know, of, of, of especially, you know, the life and dignity of the human person yeah. and our rights and responsibilities to, to protect life mm -hmm. from conception to natural death. Do you believe that that uh, publicness, I mean, this, it, it, do you think that's part of the reason why the international left attacks as hard as they do um yeah it could be it could be uh that sometimes uh there's hidden agendas you know that try to um actually uh try to uh, stop life and stop um uh human dignity and try to trample upon uh, uh what are uh human rights you know and that that, that happens everywhere i think and it's happening yes. worldwide it that's happening worldwide, worldwide. Yeah, yeah, it sure so. it sure does, and 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 what's happening there to the Venezuelan people, especially acts of genocide and politicide, yeah. uh, speaks to violence on that. Uh, and and I think, but you're right, it's a message of hope, and one that I, I think it's a good roadmap for the future of the people of Nicaragua to have these young folks and others who want to open that space for a new generation of leaders. Which brings us to the second and and last part of our our conversation with. Uh, Father Zamora in Managua, Nicaragua today, uh, to our American audience, to, to people who maybe are not as versed in uh, what's happening in your country, but wonder, hey, why should the United States pay attention to this? Uh, and what can we do? What can the American people do uh, to, you know, we have a strong bond that goes back, I think it was sealed almost on the battlefield, if you would, during the Cold War, uh, during the Reagan administration and the support that the President Reagan and his team gave uh, the forces of liberty uh, in Nicaragua. But today it's a different situation. What mm -hmm. can we do? What can the American people do to help in addition to pray? Yeah, I think that uh, the great ideals of American society, 
of the U.S. society, uh, which is democracy, and and um, all that is has been lost in Nicaraguan society, and this is something that is fundamental for uh, for uh, human rights and for the for the persons to be valued and and to be um, uh, to be heard, and uh, we know that that. Next year we'll be going into elections here, and um, we don't. We it's really uncertain, uncertain because uh, the president and and the family has uh, influence over uh, even the, the votes. You know, there's been frauds, there being election frauds, and the the elections have been done uh, like they want. You know, that and the the people have not been respected their vote, and they haven't heard. They had there hasn't been a. a uh, really, um, uh, there hasn't been the the right mechanisms, and it's, it's, that has to change. You know that that has to change. From uh, the 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 government has to uh, somehow uh, change the electoral council has to change the rules somehow so that they could be fair elections. There could be fair elections, and we know that if there are fair elections and they're, be, and they're watched or they're observed by the international community, that we know that the international community, we want to thank the international community as being uh, the US and the uh, Europe and uh, uh, many countries have been um, uh, really concerned about Nicaragua's situation. And uh, I think that in this electoral process that's coming, I think that the best way would be to somehow um, help us in, in this country um, that that it, there could be reforms, you know, to um, to the system, so that the elections may be fair and observed, and uh, we know that that way, you know, the people will will choose uh, whoever they really want to run the country for the next years, and uh, I'm pretty sure that the people want to change, um, but uh, they can't do it right now because uh, uh, everything is tied up institutionally and uh, we we would appreciate um, you know if the international community of the US would uh, continue to help us um, so, that, so that process would be um, uh, would be would take place in a fairly and also in a democratic way uh, choose our next president and I think that would uh, solve a lot of the problems, but not all the problems, because the problems are pretty uh, deep in the in the society, and mm. and uh, wounds have been opened again. You know, there's hatred. There's a, a lot of people. You know, that follow uh, this this type of uh, ideology. So there's going to be a process of healing, a process of healing afterwards. But we need a democratic government. Uh, we need new people. You know, that would help us with that process. The church knows that he has to to go through that process with the people we know that the church is going to be fundamental the role of the church in the forgiveness and healing of the people afterwards you know because that's going to take years that's going to take years to heal and, yeah, and to it's, it's going to take wounds. it's going to take many years father but you know uh, i think with with a strong church uh uh your leadership, leadership of, of so many priests on the front line and the bishops and our brothers and sisters in, you know, in other Christian traditions who I know uh, you work with, I, I really believe that uh, Father Raul Zamora 
who is you're still at divine mercy right you're still the you're still the the parish yeah. priest there i think I'm that folks like you uh, i think I'm, I'm very hopeful that once we get through that rough patch uh the important one though i think it's a critical one and it's being hotly debated about how to do this because a lot of folks argue well you how do you have elections in a place that doesn't even have an electoral role uh yeah. that can that you know voter roles that that, that can be trusted but i, I think that Working through this process, the way you're trying to um, uh, help guide it with 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 the, your, the youth and others, hopefully the U.S. and other countries will be able to give you the backing that the people in Nicaragua need, so you can get about not only healing your government, healing your country, but starting to uh, press forward and and make Nicaragua and uh, make Nicaragua great again, if you would, in a way that uh, hopefully. Uh, I mean, Nicaragua is already great, but uh, I think that there's a lot of of, of, of uh, uh, hurt right now, as you said. Yeah. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful country, beautiful people, but we're in a situation right now that uh, you know it's it's really um, uh, really hard situation for all of us that uh, we 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 only can find a way out, you know, through the the help and the uh, of, of of uh, international community also of with the love and force of the Nicaraguan people inside their own country also. Well, you know, Father, I can tell you that a lot of Americans here will support you and support the Nicaraguan people. And if they ask for the help, I, I'm confident that uh, they will receive it and it would be done hopefully in a way that would be constructive to build a in Nicaragua, where democracy and rule of law are respected, and that those and that these young people who, and others who are sacrificing so much will have an opportunity to lead. Is, is there anything else you want to say, uh, Father, before we we break? Well, just uh, uh, as a man of faith, well, I want to ask you for your prayers. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> have those, also, yeah. <laughs> and pray for us he over knows. here too, because let me tell you, we we, we have a few special uh, challenges ahead, also the next few months. Yeah, yeah. Every every society has its deep problems, you know, and we count for with our prayers too. Amen to that. Well, Father, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I hope you'll consider coming back and have a great weekend. May God bless you. Okay, same to you. Thank you for um, having me here and, and, and sharing my experience with you.
Thank you.